Welcome to the City Reach Baptist Podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. G'day. Welcome to the City Reach Family of Churches YouTube channel. You know, we know that uh, online resources are no substitute for, you know, live preaching in your own local church. But we pray that these messages will really bless you spiritually. If you want to find out more about City Reach and our churches, you can go to cityreach.com.au. Now we hope you enjoy this message. What's the, what's the first thing you think of when you think of joy? The first image that comes to your mind? As you think of that, that what's the first picture of it? What I can picture is dear old Annie Mary, who used to babysit me in her 80s when I was younger. And every third Sunday night of the month, we'd have sing-song at mum and dad's, and we'd sing old, old joyful hymns. And what I can picture when you, someone says the word joy is I can picture Annie Mary there at Sing Song, singing with all that her frail old body could muster, singing along like, joyful, joyful will the meeting be. And, <laughs> and that's all I can picture. Now, I know Annie Mary meant what she sang, and it's so encouraging to see veterans of the faith and their faithfulness to God, just praising God and living a life of joy. But have you ever wondered how elderly people can be so joyful? Like, you think about it, their life is a real grind. Their life is very mundane sometimes. They have to live on the pension. They have to work with aches and pains. How can they be so joyful? But let's be honest. When you think about joyful people in general, being really honest here tonight, do you find joyful people just a little bit irritating? Like, I don't... I, don't want to, I want to be sensitive to everyone in the room, but don't you find those really extroverted, joyful, happy people just a little bit, or maybe even a lot, irritating? <laughs> like, as I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking about joy and joyful people and how they might rub me up a bit the wrong way, and I felt a bit bad. It's like, is that sinful of me? Is that pride? And I even feel bad talking about it with you tonight. But the first quote that I came across as I started to prepare validated my views, and I think you'll resonate with this. It's a quote from Mark Twain. Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. How much does that resonate with you? You know how Pastor Andy a couple of weeks ago was talking about a meeting he was having with Timon and they're just sitting there praying and Timon just randomly starts singing? He still does that. He still randomly sings to you while you're in a heart-to-heart meeting with him. I don't know if all the staff can relate when we're having a coffee on a Monday or a Friday morning, we're all a bit weary, we only wake up, woke up 20 minutes ago, and we're just making ourselves a coffee, and then you just hear this. <laughs> Have you got the joy of the Lord this morning? Are you ready for a big day? Like, well, clearly you do, team one. <laughs> That's team one in a nutshell. And it makes you feel really uncomfortable because you know you ain't joyful like team one. You're not joyful like those joyful people, and it's actually so convicting. It's not the person you don't like, it's the example. Because few things are harder to put up with than a good example. And we find those examples annoying because we know we should be joyful like that too. And for us, joy seems so elusive. Like, the joyful person has joy, but 
I want that, but it just seems to be so elusive to me. We've been doing a series through Philippians on joy and how we can have joy through different situations. We can have joy through church tension. We can have joy through uncertainty and and through trials. And it's been encouraging knowing that we can have joy through different situations in life, different seasons. But sometimes reading Philippians, I don't know if you can relate to this, but it can actually be a bit discouraging. Every time I hear the word joy or rejoice, as you read through Philippians, it's, like, it's kind of hard just to adopt joy. And we come to chapter 2, verse 12, and it's, it's almost like Paul is giving a lecture to the Philippians, to some teenagers with attitude like, don't grumble, don't complain, come on, you ought to be more joyful. It reminds me of, um, has anyone seen the movie Signs with Mel Gibson in it? And the aliens are about to invade what they think they're about to invade, and they're having their last supper. And Mel Gibson just loses it with his family because they're so upset. It's like, we're going to enjoy this meal. No one can stop us from enjoying this meal, so enjoy it. Stop crying. That's what it feels like, what Paul's talking to the Philippians about. We should be more joyful, as if that's going to work. And as we read Philippians and listen to Paul urge to live out the joyful life from the perspective of a clearly joyful person, Our response may be, well, easy for you to say, Paul, you don't have assignments due that I have due. You know, it's easy for you to say, Paul, you don't have a brain cell killing job, wiping tables and taking orders from rude customers. You don't have to write job reports and do marking as a teacher. You don't have to, you know, change nappies and wipe boogers. You don't have to Get, get the meal ready for your family. You don't, you don't have a budget where you have to make sure that you have ends meet and the, there's fuel for the car and fuel, fuel, food in the fridge. You don't have to go work out and go to training or do your soccer practice or your guitar practice. You don't have to strap your knee. You don't have to try and make ends meet. You don't have to try and um, figure out whether he likes me or not or whether I like her or whether I'm good looking or not or whether I'm skinny enough. You don't get it, Paul. It's easy for you to say, Paul, to tell me to be joyful when you've got the most amazing life ever compared to mine. You've planted churches. You've brought thousands of people to the Lord. You've been whipped and stoned and nearly killed multiple times and God's miraculously rescued you. Of course you're going to be joyful when you look at the life you were saved from. The Christian killer becomes one of the most incredible Christians ever. Of course you're going to be joyful. It's easy for you to tell me to be joyful, Paul, when you've got an amazing life and you don't have my mundane, boring grind of a life. But I want to put something to you, though. Paul's life actually was very mundane. Have you ever uh, looked at a map of Paul's ministry journeys? We've got one up there now. Take a look at his ministry journey. All of the endless kilometres that he would have done, on foot, in the country. How boring. How much hard work would that be? We often imagine that Paul was just constantly preaching the gospel 24-7 to people, but remember, Paul was a tent maker by trade. He knew what hard work was. was. He did mundane work, just like you and me. How much time did Paul spend in prison? And if he wasn't in prison, he was usually on house arrest. How boring and mundane is that? Let alone, do any of you realise just how mundane ministry can be? Like, 
Look down at, um, in your Bibles to verses 19 to 30 and just, just scan over those few verses there. And I want to apologise for not really getting into this text. I didn't feel led to, to focus on these verses. It's not our focus tonight. But if we looked at these verses, there's some really cool stories about Epaphroditus and Timothy and how God was using Epaphroditus and like, what a guy he was. It's not our focus tonight, but as you scan those verses, it it sort of reminds me of um, one of those missionary letters that you'll get. And how many of you, especially if you're under 25, have actually read a missionary letter from start to finish? And most of us just might look at the pictures. Because the details in a missionary letter are important. Like, we need to know what's happening on the mission field, but it's it's just like mundane logistical stuff that they're asking for prayer for. And it's hard for us to relate to it. And that... Paul's taking some time out in his letter to the Philippians to say, to, just to talk about some logistical admin things, about how things are going in the ministry. It's important, but it's mundane. Paul knew what it meant to have a mundane walk in his ministry. Paul says in verse 17 that um, he's poured himself out as a drinks offering for the Philippians. He's spread himself thin. He's done so much work for their faith. And it's been hard work and it's cost him so much. Mundane work. Ministry can be such a grind. Don't think that if you work at the City Reach office that everyone just floats the halls. And, you know, we all talk in breathy tones. And you know, like, how are you, brother? That's not how people talk. It's, if you walk into the office, Leanne's on the, on the computer. She's doing admin things. There's mundane details to go through in ministry. It's rewarding, yes, definitely, but ministry is mundane. It's a grind. So I would put to you then that Paul actually did know what a mundane life was. I'd put to you that he actually knew better than you what a mundane life was. So then if Paul knew what a mundane life was, but yet he still had joy, how can I have that joy? How can I have the joy that Paul has? Why is joy so elusive to me. How can we have joy in the mundane? How can we have joy in the mundane just like Paul did? I believe there's an answer in this text that Paul is giving the Philippians. Look down at verse 16. And I'm sorry as I read, sometimes I just break into the passage, but um, the first part of verse 16, holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. Paul was able to have joy in the mundane because he held fast to the word of life. I was thinking, what's the best way to describe the act of holding fast? And I came across a great description in one word, tenacity. Tenacity. The attitude that we need to adopt to have joy in the mundane life is tenacity. Look at the meaning of the word. The quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly. Now, I know what your reaction is going to be as you hear me say, you need more tenacity. It's one of two things. One reaction will be, when I say that, is, okay, you're going to be positive and you're going to be like, okay, Tony, I get it. I believe what you're saying. What you're saying is right and I'm going to go home and I'm going to have more tenacity. Like, that's what I need. I can do this. But deep down, you know you can't. Deep down, you know in two days, it's just going to go... And you're going to go back to where you were, joyless. Because 
I'm going to tenaciously adopt tenacity. How do you adopt tenacity? It's like saying, adopt joy, and I'm telling you to ad adopt tenacity. Some of your reactions may be, oh, well, here we go, another step in this eight-step program to joy. You know, and you look at this skeptically, because you think that tenacity is a character trait and it's something for certain personalities. Have you ever, any of you ever seen Survivor? And when you, know, you go to Survivor challenges and there's the challenge beasts like Lockie and Dave and all those sorts of guys, and they'll smash out an athletic challenge. Then you come to a mental challenge where they've got to do something ridiculous like stand on toothpicks for hours at a time. And it's those guys that often struggle. The ones that win those ones who are quietly tenacious. They're quietly good at it. They don't give up. Look at the meaning of the word tenacity. It's, tenacity is something that can be adopted by introverts and extroverts. It's not a personality thing. You can be extrovertedly tenacious and you can be quietly tenacious. So no matter how you feel about me saying adopt tenacity, I just want you to shelf that for a moment. Just continue to come with me. Why do we want tenacity? Why do we even want to hold fast to the word of life? Look down at your Bibles at verse 13. At the end of verse 13. To do these things both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It pleases God that you inspire to be tenacious. That you inspire to hold fast to him. Amen. Purely for his pleasure. Because he has been so tenacious to you. He has held fast to you and not let go. And you know that in your heart, you know that. And the Philippians knew this. And shouldn't that just inspire us enough that purely for God's pleasure, that's why we should hold fast to the word of life? Just purely for his praise and his glory? Like, Paul said this because he could see what God had done for him. Paul held on to the word of life. He held fast to the word of life because he knew how tenaciously God held on to him and he wanted to give glory to God. We should, just, we should just want to hold fast purely because it pleases him. Purely because for his praise and his glory. Look again down at verses 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling and disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine, you shine as lights in the world. We want to have tenacity. We want to hold fast to the word of life because we are the hope of this world. We need to be blameless to those around us. How many of you have conformed to the image of this world this week and you've You've given in to that kill me now mentality to work. Or the old, oh, you know, that person who's come to join your group of friends at uni or at school, that obnoxious person, and you've just oh, grumbled and disputed. You've given in to the world this mentality of oh, grumbling and disputing, whinging about work or school, about others, which Jason was looking at last week. We don't have humility and instead in our pride we choose to grumble and dispute over stupid mundane details. You see, the world needs tenacity. Tenacity is a breath of fresh air to this dead world. Because you are shining lights 
amongst a crooked and twisted generation, a crooked and twisted generation that is so self-absorbed, so entitled, who doesn't want to dig deep and try hard. They don't want to hold fast to anything. They just want everything given to them. You are a breath of fresh air to the world. You are lights to the world, to the crooked and dark and twisted generation. Quiet tenacity preaches Jesus to your setting. Quiet tenacity preaches Jesus to the people around you. Your, your school needs your tenacity. Your uni needs your tenacity. Your workplace needs your tenacity. Your home, whether you're a parent or a child or a sibling, your home needs your tenacity. It needs you to hold fast to the word of life. Okay, so we've established I need tenacity then. Not just because it honours God and I want to give glory to him and because I want to be a shining light to this world, but I really want to have joy in my life. My life is in a mundane cycle and I can't get out of it. How do I adopt this attitude of holding fast to the word of life? How am I going to get that? The first thing I'd say is, and now we're getting down to some applicational things, things that we can hold on to. Stop resenting your life. Stop resenting your life. Now, I know that sounds like a bash over your head, but it's actually meant to be encouraging, if you just bear with me for a moment. You have to stop thinking that your life can't be joyful because it's not what it is right now. Because your life isn't as exciting as Paul's, then you can't experience that same sort of joy that Paul did. Or because you're not in a life of ministry, and you don't have a carefree attitude to life because you've got financial pressures, you've got deadlines to meet. You know, just because you're studying, you can't have joy. Yet the grass always looks greener on the other side. If only my life had more purpose, you may be thinking, then I could have joy. I want you to take it from me. Circumstances should not dictate your joy. And if they do, they're very fleeting. God's given me a very unique experience. It's a gift that I can relate to a lot of people in the room in that I've done so many different things with my life in a short amount of time. I've been a, um, I've done no school. I was homeschooled, so I didn't have the pressures of exams and assignments. But I really wanted that. I nearly needed that discipline. Um, I've been a wool handler which is a very mundane, boring job, just sweeping boards, picking up wool. I've been an apprentice for four years. I've you know, had to just be on a broom for months at a time and dig holes. Had to do strapping, Jack. How boring is strapping? Mundane and just, just never ends. I've shorn sheep, just sheep after sheep after sheep. Mad, kicking, wrinkly, fat sheep. <laughs> Good preparation for ministry. <laughs> Do any of you know what crutching is? Crutching sheep? Crutching is just shearing between their legs and around their bum uh, once a year. And I'll do four or five hundred a day, over and over and over again, dragging about 80 or 90 kilos each one. How mundane, how boring. And I craved on those days an office job. Well, guess what? I do have an office job. You know what I crave now? Shearing. <laughs> See, I've, I, God has given me a special experience where I've been in ministry and, now, and I haven't been, and I've um, been making money and not making money. I've had 
all these different experiences that have mundane and exciting jobs. And I'm just here, standing here as a testament to say, your circumstances will not bring you joy. Your circumstances will not bring you joy. Stop thinking that your life and where you're at right now is stopping you from experiencing joy. It's how you approach the circumstances in your life. Amen. That's the key. Without grumbling or complaining, are you going to do it with grumbling or complaining, or are you going to do it with tenacity? Are you going to do it by holding fast to the word of life? Amen. Amen. Waking up every morning with tenacity, holding fast to the word of life. Your life can and does bring so much glory to God. You see, there was a monk called Brother Lawrence in the 1600s, and I didn't have time to illustrate this perfectly, but to sum it up, this guy was just, people would come from all over the countryside to come hear Brother Lawrence speak, and they just sit at his feet and interview him. And as he did his menial tasks in the monastery, as he washed dishes and did the gardening, he just put it so beautifully in words better than this, that he brought so much more glory to God as he washed the dishes, more so than he did speaking to hundreds of people at a time. You see, don't resent the mundane life or the mundane season that you're in. It actually makes you who you are. It made Paul who he was. Paul went through so many mundane things. He studied for years and years the Old Testament. And then when God um, brought him to himself, he studied for more years. He went over it again. He studied years and years. He, we, as we looked at before, he traveled endless kilometers. He was a tent maker. He went through ministry details. But those mundane things, those mundane seasons made him who he was. Your mundane experiences, your mundane seasons make you who you are. Don't resent them. Your mundane life is actually glorious and God has given it as a gift to you. The next thing that I'd encourage you to do is to hold fast to the word of life for yourself. Hold fast to the word of life for yourself. Look down at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's telling the Philippians here that they don't just try and be strong when I'm around because I'm hardly ever around. I'm away doing other ministry things and I'm usually in prison. You can't rely on me for your faith. You have to work out your own faith and salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling meaning to do it, take it seriously. Don't treat it flippantly. Work out your own faith with fear and trembling. If you want tenacity, if you want to hold fast to the word of life and have joy in your life, you have to start taking your faith seriously. Holding fast to the word of life means get into God's word for yourself. Don't just rely on your pastor or your church or your parents and friends to, to teach you this word. That is important. We need to be taught. But that's not tenacity. That's not holding fast to the word of life for yourself. Sitting back anxiously waiting for someone to teach you because you can't figure it out for yourself. Amazing joy can come when we search this word. God's word is so powerful. As, as you read through the Old Testament, as you read those abstract passages, those things that you never really understood, as you read it for yourself, holding fast to it, you'll understand you know, how the stupid Israelites kept on letting God down, but God kept loving them, and you'll see yourself in that. You'll see how you have been unfaithful to God, but he has been faithful to you. 
You need to take your faith seriously with fear and trembling. You see, Paul took his faith very seriously before he came to the Lord. He was a zealot. He was serious about God's word. He knew it back to front. But what was lacking was that it wasn't personal. He didn't have God in it. It was just law to him. What he needed was a fresh personal vision of God. What we need is a fresh personal vision of God as we look into God's word for ourselves. I'll encourage you, ask someone that you admire, someone that you look up to, a leader in your life, someone that you'd want to be in the next couple of years or in the future, ask them, how can I grow? Teach me how to you know, dig deeper into God's word. Point me in the right direction. The next thing I'd ask you to do, encourage you to do, is to ask God to give you tenacity. Ask God to give you the strength to hold fast. Look down at verse 13 in your Bibles, the first half. For it is God who works in you. Do you remember chapter 1 and verse 6, which Timon looked at a couple of weeks ago? It says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. If you let him, there is nothing God would desire more than to work in your surrendered heart to him. Give yourself over to him. Let him work in you. You know, I think one thing that I struggled in with my faith for so long was that I was a camp Christian. I'd go from camp to camp. And I'd go to camp and I'd be like, yes, Jesus, I love you and I'm going to hold fast to you. But I think what we do so often is we be, God begins a work with us at a camp or at a conference and we're going to hold fast to him and we pledge to do it. But I think what we do is we hold fast to him with one hand. And that gives us the freedom as the world passes us by, we try and reach out and grab it and our grip comes loose. And the work that God started can't be finished because we're not holding fast. What we need to do is we need to let God finish the work that he started in us and hold fast with both hands and not let go. I don't want us to look at all these things and see them as a bunch of rules. Please don't do that and that they're steps of... To follow and then you can have joy. If nothing else that you get out of tonight, do this one. Ask God to give you the strength to hold fast. Because that isn't religion. This is surrender. Out of surrender will flow joy. Out of surrender will flow joy. I've been talking about holding fast to the word of life a lot and having tenacity. And we haven't really talked about what even is the word of life. Maybe we need to take a minute to focus on that. We could say that this is the word of life. Yes, this book is truly powerful. There is words of life in here. It's truly life-changing. But ultimately, holding fast to a book is not going to change you. It's not going to give you joy because, one, it's near impossible. And, two, if you do get good at it, it, you become self-righteous. I heard my lecturer say the other day at college that, Uh, it kind of shook me. He said that the Pharisees were obsessed with God's word and sought after God's glory more than anything else. How convicting is that? That how many of you love God's word and seek after God's glory? Well, good on you. The Pharisees did as well. What was missing for the Pharisees? What's missing for the religious person? If they love this word, what's missing? Jesus. The Pharisees were missing Jesus because there is law in this book, yes, 
but Jesus came to fulfill the law as we sung tonight. This is God's word, yes, but Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This word is life, yes, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the what? Life. The life. As we practically read through the New Testament as a church, I encourage you to do that. And don't read the New Testament because it's the Bible. Read it because you want to know who Jesus is. Read it to get to know Jesus. Because it's not the book you want to hold fast to. It's the man who it's about. It's about Jesus. True joy comes not just from holding fast to this book. It comes from holding fast to Jesus. We don't worship this book. We worship Jesus. Hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to Jesus. Tenaciously, holding fast to him through everything, especially through the hard and mundane seasons of your life. You see, Paul was able to hold fast to the word of life because he had a fresh vision of Jesus. He knew the scriptures, but Jesus revealed himself to him, and that's why he was holding fast and he was never letting go. He was zealous and religious, just like many of us are. But what he lacked was a fresh vision of Jesus, and he got that. And that's what we need. We need a fresh vision of Jesus so that we can be shining lights to the world as well. As well. I'd ask the band to come up now as they prepare to close us out. And we're going to sing a song that talks about how good God is. And... If you aspire to hold fast to him, the more you hold fast to him, the more you're going to see just how good he is. And this song is going to speak about how precious you are, how precious your life is, no matter how mundane, no matter what sort of suffering you're going through. And that if you call him Lord, then you are blessed, blessed beyond measure. No matter the circumstances, no matter the sufferings or the grind of life, God is good. And I want us... I just want to encourage you guys to use this time just to repent to God and just say, look, God, I've been desiring a life that is preventing me from having true joy in you. I've been, been desiring circumstances that's preventing me from rejoicing in you and having joy in you. And I just want you to use this time to ask God to give you a quiet tenacity, to ask God to give you the strength to hold fast, to, to hold fast with both hands. Hold fast to the word of life, to continue the work that he started in you. Tell him, and there's no shame in talking with confidence to God and saying, I'm going to hold fast to you. I'm going to hold fast to you. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold fast with both hands. Ask him to help you do it. Tonight you might be saying, I, I want in on this joy. I really want in on this joy because it's so elusive to me and maybe you've never experienced joy of any sort and tonight's your night to say maybe for the first time Jesus I want you Jesus I want to hold fast to you and I'm inviting you uh, to do business with God tonight to, to take your faith seriously to fear and tremble there's no shame in trembling about something that couldn't be more serious do business with God tonight with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Ask him to give you strength to hold on to the word of life.
Ask him to help you stop resenting the life you're in right now and embrace it and give him the glory for it. Just give your life to him. Just give him everything that you have. And just remember that true joy comes when you hold fast to Jesus. True joy comes when you hold fast to Jesus and nothing else.